the ADHD brain, it's different. There are the prefrontal cortex is different. The hormones are different. There's a lot of different neuro um, transmitters are different. There's a lot of differences in our brains. And so there are symptoms of that and signs, but there are a lot of benefits that come with it too. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. So on today's podcast, we have the Hocus Focus Queen. Robin is here today with us, and she is an emergency nurse, a mom with 80% of her family being ADHD, but she is the queen of helping people focus and unlock creativity and really leverage and lean into their strengths. And I had so many notes, it's almost hard to summarize, but two big ones stood out for me, and I'm looking at them right now. Creativity is impulsivity done right, and how to chunk it down and maximize the results you create in the world to protect your progress and success. And the more you can take think out of it, the better. And those two summarize today's episode so great. So I'm not gonna keep bumping my guns because the episode is way better than this intro will be. So strap in your seatbelt, buckle down, and get ready to have your mind blown. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. I am humbled because we have the queen magician. We have Hocus Focus, the queen. I'm incredibly honored to have today's guest. She is a dear friend. She's somebody I've fallen in love with. She is a registered nurse, a mom to teen boys, an incredible first responder husband, but she has one of the best jobs in the world, which is helping entrepreneurs focus, unlock creativity, and mitigate their life if they might happen to be struggling with ADD, ADHD, or anything in between. But here's what I've learned. I don't think I have ADD, but every time she posts a YouTube video and every time she drops the tips... I take notes and I apply it into practice. And so today I am honored to have the incredible Robin Buchanan on the show. So Robin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, George. It's always fun to hang out with you. I love when people say that because I'm always afraid if they'd say something else. And I'm like, oh no, not on my podcast. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And we just had the incredible pleasure of having Robin Robin down and hang out in Montana. And this episode has been long, long, long overdue. Um, since she's an incredible resource to have. And so Robin, before we jump into the show and to the notes, you know, I know you as Robin who started with like minimalism and helping people declutter and then focused and launched Hocus Focus and helping people thrive and entrepreneurs thrive with like ADHD, but you're also a nurse and you have that going on. And what did you say? Oh, two thirds of my boys have ADHD. Where did this kind of all begin? Like, how did you go from, oh, I'm a nurse to, oh, I have this to, oh, I want to help people. Like, kind of give us the story arc of Robin, if you wouldn't mind. Well, uh, like you said, I am a nurse and I do love helping people. And so I'm an emergency nurse and I love things that are fast paced. And I am married to a guy who is a first responder and he's a busy guy. He's got ADHD two-thirds of my teen boys do, and it turns out I do. And so there's one one lone kid that does not have ADHD in our house. But 
I got into minimalism a couple of years ago because I realized life was really chaotic with all of the stuff around. But as time went on, I really recognized the importance of helping people with ADHD in particular. Like I said, I'm a nurse, I'm a helper, but you know, as I sort of move a little bit away from nursing, I'm a type of person who likes some variety. Um, I started getting into helping women with ADHD and helping them to see areas of their life where they can find where they really thrive and in their business where they need to find focus. And it just sort of naturally happened where I recognized that minimalism was great and it really does support the neurodivergent mind, the entrepreneur mind, but there's more to that. So because you are a very educated woman and I am now asking myself, what the heck does neurodivergent mean? Can you just do me a favor and explain <laughs> so calmly what neurodivergent means since you said that's an entrepreneurial mind? What is neurodivergent? So neurodivergence is the difference in it's, it's sort of like a different brain. There's neurotypical, which is what like people would say, like normal and neurodivergent. And a lot of things can fall under neurodivergency, including like autism, ADHD, a lot of different things can fall under that umbrella. But more and more in this world, the neurodivergent people are sort of coming to the surface and the world is designed for the neurotypical people, but so many people, whether they know it or not, have a neurodivergency and they will recognize things in the world that they try to navigate and it's harder for them. And so quite often those people have a neurodivergency. So it's sort of just like a brain difference. And like, what is that? Like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm getting ready to learn something like, like for me, like as an entrepreneur, like I would assume I have neurodivergent thinking, but like maybe like, what does that like look like? Is it because like I notice something and I look for a solution or is it because uh, like, what does that like look like in real life? It can. For, so for me, I'm most familiar with ADHD, um, a little bit with autism, but with the ADHD brain, it's funny because there are a ton of very, very successful people with ADHD. So a lot of entrepreneurs don't even realize it, but they have ADHD or they have tendencies and ADHD, other neurodivergencies, they exist on a continuum, just like autism, a spectrum, right? And so some people like in my house, you know, 80% of us have it. And so you know, one of my kids is like way over here for like really struggling with executive function, which is basically like how you get anything done. Like watching this kid try to leave the house, it's like painful sometimes. Meanwhile, other people um, on the other end, for me, for example, I really struggle when I'm in situations in particular, you know, work as if I'm working as a nurse, I'm talking to one of my coworkers and they're like telling me something really hard for me to focus on that conversation. Like things have to be set up just right. And so the ADHD brain, it's different. There are the prefrontal cortex is different. The hormones are different. There's a lot of different neurotransmitters are different. There's a lot of differences in our brains. And so there are symptoms of that and signs, but there are a lot of benefits that come with it too. What are the benefits? Oh, there are so many benefits. And it's actually funny because quite often, you know, it's called attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And a lot of people are like, we don't want the disorder 
because there are so many awesome things that come with it. And, you know, like there's hyper-focused, which is an incredible ability to deep dive into whatever it is you're working on. And you will forget to eat. You'll forget to use the washroom. Like hours will go by. You're nodding your head like, oh, I do that. Do that. Yep. Super creative in most situations. I think my husband's like the only ADHD person that's not creative, the poor guy. But really good problem solvers, usually. Um, there's also like... T- totally fine. There's also, there's two-thirds of those ADHD kids throwing pots and pans that's in our, the kitchen. That's, that's, our, our, neuro, that's our, our neurodivergent cat who has a cerebellum problem. Our house is very, very special. So there's also tons of compassion and resilient in people with ADHD because our entire lives, we have had to navigate a world that was not designed for us. And so we have had to pick ourselves up like what, you know, you're watching a toddler learn to walk. They just get up. Like they don't ever seem to get frustrated. The ADHD does, but we get used to it and we learn how to sort of brush it aside. And so th- those are just some of the benefits of having ADHD. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I want to, I actually want to talk about, I'm going to lead this a little bit, but I, what keeps popping up in my brain is like environmental design because you've alluded to a few times, like being in a conversation and not being able to focus or, you know, trying to fit into a world where we, we get used to it. And even hearing you speak and, and, and knowing you for a year now, like the more I hear you speak, the more I'm pretty sure that if I took a test, I would be pegged as like ADD or ADHD. But I've learned to kind of like create environments for myself that help me thrive, whether I have to focus really, really deeply or I need to unlock creativity. But it took me until two years ago to start to notice that stuff. And so when when you're talking about like getting distracted or like you can't focus, like what are what are some of the things that you focus on? Because I, I'm hearing like environmental design like over and over again. So like what is the thought process? It's funny. You had a pot fan. I just had a, I just had a picture fall off the wall. That's hilarious. Um, but like thinking about this, like even hearing this and listening to people listen, I'm like, God, I, I can take a hundred entrepreneurs that I've talked to in the last week and 99 of them will fall into one of those buckets where they're like deeply hyper-focused or they're super, super creative, or they're like super distracted. Like, how do you start to notice that stuff? Like, how do you start to create environments? How do you start to like harness these things to unlock like what these superpowers are like what is that I, I don't know just just riff on that for a minute because I'm I'm intrigued yeah it's it's funny because we really I, I want to say quickly there are some of the most brilliant people in history have they look back and they're like yes they had ADHD or they actually full-on were diagnosed like Richard Branson very successful ADHD innovative people often have ADHD because we can be so creative and, you know, we'll talk later about divergent thinking, but it's very important to set yourself up with a good environment though. And that I learned through minimalism because suddenly I could thrive when I started decluttering my house and suddenly I had like a clean desk or my kitchen was clean. I could think I could focus. And even now, like I said, I've got like teenage boys and 
I wake up in the morning. I try to go to bed when it's clean, but they stay up later than me now. So I (laughs) and I tidy up because I can't focus otherwise. I need I need to be sitting in my living room with my whiteboard now and just like being creative. And I need a tidy environment. Otherwise, it is distracting. And making sure that you are not having a ton of like noise around or flashing things, but also knowing what works for you. Because my husband, for example, he needs noise to focus. And that is not that uncommon. And so for some people, they say like, put a movie that you're very familiar with on and just have that playing while you're being creative. Me, I need complete silence or I can handle like ambient, like uh, focus music or whatever. But it's very important to understand that you're in, you know, we always talk about like food, water, and shelter. People always seem to forget about shelter. Shelter is your environment. Like, yes, once we have a roof over our head, if we're trying to do anything beyond like survival, think about how important it is. Like you want, you want to make sure you're getting enough water in your body. You're getting enough um, nutrients. Why wouldn't you be thinking that the stuff around you is affecting your brain? Mm. Yeah. It's actually really interesting. You say that. Cause like my 17 year old daughter, I get in the car for her to drive somewhere and I can't even hear myself think because the music has to be up and loud. And when she's doing homework and doing anything. And then for me, I'm like running away as far as possible to find the silence because I struggle heavily in like noisy environments when I'm trying to be creative. But then if I'm like working or teaching, I like the noise, but it's very, very different. And I've started to kind of catch it around. It's actually why. I have a separate office space. My office used to be in the house. And I used to think that it was like, oh, I don't have separation. Like I would kind of walk to the office, but I couldn't get into the mode. But the moment I got an office out of the house, I realized like how I designed my office is so different than anything my wife would ever let me do in my home. Uh, but I, I like thrive in it because I can control the environment and I put little reminders on the wall and things around. And it's so funny because when I got my office, I would hang out here all the time, right? I'm like, oh, I'll hang out in the office. I'll do whatever. Once I cleaned my office and set it up, it's like the moment I walk in the door, it's like go time. And when I'm done, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to like get back in the car and go home. But it, it took me a long time to recognize that. And I never knew what it was, but I, I love that thought. And I, it's such a good point about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Food, water, shelter, but the shelter matters. Mm-hmm. And you can control that environment. And I think it's a big part. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to everybody listening because, you know, Robin, you speak under the lens of like ADHD and creativity and thriving. But, you know, the amount of times I watch people and they're like, well, just go work at the coffee shop or just pull your laptop out. And I remember like trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And I would have more anxiety trying to work there than I would not working at all. Because I'm like, trying to type and I'm like hearing that conversation and that conversation and that conversation. But environmental design, I feel like is one of the, like the, one of the easiest secrets to unlock, but it's the one that's neglected the most when it comes to like your area. And so I, I absolutely love that. So I got to ask, cause you, you open this loop and, and this is a new concept for me that I teach now and I talk about, but you said, we'll talk about divergent thinking later. What is divergent thinking? What is the difference between convergent, divergent thinking? Because I feel like this is an incredible concept for people. I absolutely love this concept. And once I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly it. Uh, Because I have taken 
training specific to ADHD. And this was one of the topics that was discussed. And it's very prevalent in the ADHD community, but also with entrepreneurs. Um, and But it was first described in the 1950s. So there's convergent and divergent. And convergent is sort of like a linear thinking. Often we end up, we're focusing on a single solution. How do we get from point A to point B? How do we solve this problem? Meanwhile, divergent thinking is different. It's creating multiple unique ideas or solutions to a problem. It's more spontaneous. Um, there are often, you know, if you just picture like a bunch of squiggly lines, like how you get somewhere that, that is divergent thinking. And it, it can even be taking somebody else's idea and making it into something different. And there have been studies done with children that if you have a child with ADHD and you put them in a group to solve a problem, usually the groups that had a kid with ADHD solved the problem and the groups that didn't, didn't because the creativity that they brought with their divergent thinking. And so I see divergent thinking as just another way of being creative. And if, if you were to say to people, um, draw a fruit from a different planet, the convergent thinkers would be like, okay, they would do some kind of variation of an earth fruit. Meanwhile, the divergent thinkers would come up with something completely different and wacky, you know, because it's, it's not even within the realm of possibility. It really is sort of like the sky's the limit. And harnessing that, it's absolutely a huge asset. And a lot of um, entrepreneurs, they need to harness their divergent thinking and that creativity to get success, to get ahead, just to sort of come up with awesome new innovations. Yeah, because I, I feel like as, as an entrepreneur, uh, both are required, but convergent thinking is almost required to execute the result of divergent thinking. Yeah. Right. And so like I, for everybody listening, I do this with people as well. And, and one of the easiest ways and how this was taught to me is I was in a room and they put a brick on the table and they're like, all right, everybody tell me how you use the brick. And like, oh, I'll build a house. You know, I'll, I'll lay the foundation. I'll boom, boom, boom. And they're like, that's convergent thinking. Now, let's say you can't build a house. What would you use the brick for? And we started spitting out ideas like, oh, it's a laptop stand. It's a flower base. It's a blank. It's a blank. And they're like that is divergent thinking. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what I've noticed in, in my life, but even with people I coach, that the most successful ones are the ones that are willing to put themselves in the bucket of divergent thinking. Like, okay, cool. Remove all limitations of what you think is possible or isn't possible for a moment and ask yourself, like, what can you do with this? How can we use this? How can we accomplish that goal? And I think that's where most of the best ideas come from. I mean, everybody told Elon Musk he was crazy, you know, what, five years ago, seven years ago, and now he's got the largest auto manufacturer ever, an electric vehicle that nobody has said would be possible. And that's all divergent thinking. And so I feel like for me, where I struggled is that I didn't understand what they were. And so you have plenty of people, and I'm sure you see this, and I'd love your thoughts on this, where we see people that think divergently, but they're in a business or they're as an employee and they're boom and they're told they're wrong. Like, no, 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 no. Think linearly. And then we have people that like live in convergent thinking. And then because they can't get creative, they're made like bad and wrong rather than understanding that these are both massive skill sets to have. And there's probably one proclivity that you already have. Right. And then the other one is a trained muscle 
that you can utilize and you can use to unlock creativity and unlock certain things around those lines. And I know one of the things that you love more than anything is helping people like create creativity or create the space for creativity and to help them get focused on these things. Right. And, and I'm sitting over here thinking about this and I'm like, there's so many people listening to this right now. They're like, Oh, I have ADD. Oh, I totally have ADHD. I totally have boom. And, and I will agree with you because most of my successful friends are diagnosed ADHD, ADD, and they've, they've learned to thrive because they don't try to make themselves somebody they're not. They use that skill set, And so, you know, like, I don't even know like how to ask this question. I'm like, Robin, like, where do we begin? Like, how do we utilize this? Like, how do we realize like, oh yeah, I can't do a task for more than five minutes without getting distracted. Or every time I sit in like the cubicle and like, boom, but like knowing that every entrepreneur needs to be creative. They need to think differently. They need to like, where, do, where does one even begin to like start to harness the power of their creativity and focus? Like what are some of the things that you help people do? So one of the most interesting things I saw, and I believe it was Dr. Hallowell, who is an ADHD um, scientist, but he says, so one of the big things, it, hallmarks is impulsivity. And as an adult, it looks a lot different than it does as a kid. Often inside we're kind of buzzing and it's like kind of hard to calm down sometimes, or we're just like, ah, what do we do? Right? So you need to know what, what gets you like going and what mellows you out. And you need to find that balance. And, you know, so this doctor, Dr. Hallowell, he says, creativity is impulsivity gone right. And so how can we harness our creativity? How can we get into the hyper-focus? Because hyper-focus is an incredible tool and we can get so much done. We can be so incredibly creative. But the problem is, you know, I am a parent, you are a parent. We have a lot of responsibilities, which are wonderful, but how can we set our lives up so that we can really deep dive into that creativity? So time and space are absolutely huge. And for me, I now, and I have dabbled in this in the past, but I like to set my days up for like, I have a day where I am doing just filming for YouTube, or I have a day where I am um, coaching, just coaching on those days because I love coaching people, but it takes a lot out of you. It's, it's, you're using a lot of, it's like going to Disneyland. I love Disneyland, but I'm tired at the end of the day. Right. And it's the same with, um, filming, right. It feels like I've been hanging out with a hundred people all day, even though it's just me and my camera. And so how do you set up those days? So days for creativity where I get up and I start and how are, and, and I, just do that for the day. And how are you starting your day? Are you waking up and picking up your phone right away? And yes, like everybody says, don't do that, but you shouldn't. <laughs> if you pick <laughs> up your phone, there have been studies done. If you pick up your phone within the first, you know, like 15 minutes, you are way more likely to use it for the rest of the day, a lot more. So starting the day quietly, sitting in front of the red light, which you inspired me. I have one now. I love it. Yes. Yep. And meditating, quiet time. For me, sometimes I like to just sit there just with my cup of tea and have that quiet time before all of the people come around. And then when they all go off to work or school, then I I can dive into my creativity. And like, yes, like making sure your environment is, is clean, getting in a positive headspace. Are you in a space where you can be creative? Because quite often we are not in a space where we can be creative mentally. We need to like go through that in breath work. Like when I was in Montana with you, 
I realized for me, I used to think that I had to basically start being creative instantly in the morning because your brain is very primed for that when you first wake up. But if you do a session of breath work, you can drop into that creativity very quickly afterwards, which is great. And so, and taking the pressure off, like there are days where like, I'm not just going to like sit down and be like, okay, now it's time to be creative. Like maybe I'm going for a walk. Maybe I'll do like a quick workout, but it's like, that is the intention for that day. Sometimes it just doesn't happen, but it's having that um, grace with yourself and knowing what works for you. So get a book, a journal, and this is now your user manual for George. What works for George? What doesn't? I know you're you're like me, like you study yourself. What works for me? What doesn't? And and you know, like what foods are not working for me, right? What like for me, sugar? I cannot like sugar just wastes me. Like it just throws me off for days. So how can you get into that creativity? knowing yourself and just taking notice of all of the things that impact it positively or negatively. Yeah. And I, and I love this concept. I'm going to, I'm going to summarize a little bit because um, I think this is a, a big, big, big part. And and there's a lot of undertow in, in what you said that it's so applicable. And, and I think one of the big ones for me is that um, I'm a lot like you, like there's podcast days, there's coaching days, there's creativity days, there's intensive days, but early on in my career, I thought I had to be all of those things every day. Right. And like, that was it. It was like, boom, boom, boom. And it was actually one of my teachers, Jeff Spencer, um, who taught me the concept of temperance, right. And temperance. And he's like, can you imagine if an Olympic athlete was running that race every single day, every day, they would never win. And they would actually atrophy backwards because they understand temperance, the, the ups, the downs. And then when it's go time, they prep themselves to win that race. And so in, in hearing this, I want to break this down for everybody listening. So what I'm hearing is the first thing is really having this, this deep visceral awareness of your vehicle, right? Like uh, I shared a YouTube video with you guys from Sadhguru, and uh, it's a really funny concept. If you don't know who Sadhguru is, Google it. You're welcome. Um, but he talks about how we as human beings... We get so upset that like we don't like our emotions or how we feel, but yet we got issued this vehicle and we've never taken the time to study the owner's manual, right? And, and what you're talking about is bringing awareness to our owner's manual. Like one of the first things you said is like, what lights us up? And then like, what mellows us down, right? Like, and starting to understand those things so that you can start to find where you are the most creative. And, and I did a personality assessment a long time ago and they, they made me do this test. And for like, I think it was like two weeks, I had an app on my phone. Every time the app went off, I had to like function in it and it helps you find your peak states. And they show scientifically like me in my day, I have about an hour and 51 minutes of like prime 100% performance time. Like that, like that is the most that I'm going to get out of it. But the rest of it, is kind of like subpar, it's 80%, it's 60%, it's 50% and kind of like optimizing those days. So for everybody listening, start to start to notice like the things in your day, the things in your business, the things in your life, the ones that light you up and then the ones that kind of like mellow you down and start to take your owner's manual out, right? And document like, oh, when I eat this, I feel like crap. But when I do this, I feel incredible. And so that would be step one, what I'm hearing. And then step two, sounds like it would be identifying the areas in our life or business where where we need to move the needle right like you run an incredible youtube channel two of them two incredible youtube channels so you have to film 
And sometimes you have to film a lot, but then you also coach people and you have to coach as well. And so I'm assuming if you're anything like me, good luck trying to do a YouTube video after you coach four people through like some of the hardest parts of their day or life, right? Or the inverse, good luck trying to coach somebody after you filmed four YouTube videos and like you're mentally drained. And so then you have an awareness of where your needles need to be moved. And then you intentionally go out and create space and time to accomplish those things. You chunk it down to like, today is a filming day. Tomorrow is a coaching day. Am I tracking so far? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. All right, cool. I'm like, all right, I get it. And I'm like, I feel like you're coaching what I did and what took me 10 years to figure out. I'm now that I have it. Okay, cool. And so then we help navigate that. And then we're all just creative now and everything's easy. Ideally. And I, and you know, if you say like, you've got an hour and a half of creativity, that's incredible. Like I, I love that because yeah. to drop into that is amazing and, and what you do with that. And, and so, you know, I, like the Pomodoro technique we talk about all the time and I have like my time yeah. timer. Which, oh, you do. Oh, that's a good I one. I did not think that this, I, I pretty much, I was like, you know what, I'm an adult. I'm, in my 40s, like I've made it this far. <laughs> I don't need a time timer. I am obsessed with this thing because analog clocks are your best friend because you can actually see it, even if it isn't like this. Because, you know, for those listening, it has uh, a, a red space with how much time is left for whatever. But it's incredible because it just helps you have more of a tangible awareness because a lot of us really struggle with. Um, time blindness and money blindness and all of these things. Like I am forever like, okay, yep. 10 minutes before whatever's going to happen. That's when I'm going to get ready. And it's like, oh my gosh, woman, like I'm not a, I'm not a complicated person, but I still, then I'm like, well, maybe put in a little laundry or, you know, quickly send this email to my client. But yeah, it, it honestly is, um, using that time well. So when you get in that creative space, how are you going to use it well? And just like stay locked in if you can. But as I said before, like, if it's not happening, it's not happening. Like have grace with yourself. But, and you know, you, you, you can be tough on people in a great way where you're like, you know, suck it up. You've got to get it done. And like my oldest son who has, you know, pretty significant ADHD, he says, well, did you know that people with ADHD, it's really hard for them to wake up and get going in the morning. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And because, yeah, I get it. Like it sucks. And I, but I said, like, you got to take the good with the bad. You have incredible gifts that come with ADHD. This kid has an actual like math impairment, yet he's getting 100% of calculus because he's managed to somehow flick that switch in his brain, harness the hyper focus and go with it. And so it's, it's a matter of just making it work when you have that creativity. And a huge part of it is setting yourself up for success, recording it, like, like I said, know what works for you. Yeah. And I have, I have a question about this and, and you feel like a very qualified person to answer because this is something that comes up for me where, you know, I have, or I'll be integrity. My to-do list right now probably has 982 items on it, right? Between the ranch, my wife, the eight businesses I run, coaching, consulting, you know, boom, boom, boom. And when I'm in flow, right? Like I'm really able to kind of like chunk that down and take it out. But for years I struggled. And I know there's people listening to this that are like, oh, I set my timer for 20 minutes and I know it's this one thing. 
but it's even hard to start because I have like all these open loops that seem to cause like anxiety and, you know, they, they feel almost impossible to me or there's so many things in front of me and I have all these creative ideas and I just can't stop thinking about this that I, I struggle to even choose where to start. So like, how do you recommend people like navigate those things or, or bring awareness to those things or, or chunk those things down to, to help create momentum or to get stuff in progress? Because I, I feel like as entrepreneurs, that's probably one of the biggest things there is that we start our own fires and then hundred people throw fires at us that day. And they're all these like, almost like these mental anchors that are like pulling me out of creativity because I don't know how to close them. So like, how do people start to navigate that? And, and what do you do? What do you recommend? Like, what can they put into practice or do differently to help create that progress and buy that back? So there are a couple of things with this. Um, number one, a lot of people don't realize how they have some perfectionistic tendencies. And so a lot of us feel like we have to start every or finish everything that we start. And, you know, it wasn't until one of my instructors in my ADHD training said to me, you know, how, how many of you feel like just because you start a book, you have to finish it. And I was like, Oh, like it was like the heavens opened up and I was like, you mean I don't have to finish every book? Like I actually am going to return a Kindle book I bought the other day because I'm like, yeah, like this is just not jiving, right? And so we have to recognize that a lot of times we feel like we have to, just because we're, for me, for example, like say I start writing a script on a video and I'm just sort of like, eh, it's not really going so well. I walk, I keep walking away from it. Maybe it's time to be like, okay, this is on hold. Maybe not permanently, but put it away. I don't need to like beat this dead horse. This is not happening because I am being perfectionistic in a lot of cases. And a lot of other, another sign that people do or of perfectionism is that they want the situation to be perfect before they do something. So they will say, okay, I can't start working on my script for the same example, because I, my, my kids are still home, even though like I'm kind of in a mental space, they're off, they're quiet, but no, this is not how I do this. Or I don't have like this particular thing set up, you know, like when people are decluttering, they'll be like, well, I need to have the perfect charity to take things to. I have to have all of my boxes. It's like, no, like just start. And so quite often perfectionism is what holds people back. Entrepreneurs can be absolutely massive for this. They want to be perfect at this or that. They want to have the right person to help them with this or that instead of being like, okay, like I'm just going to dive into this. The other thing is to chunk down when you're feeling really overwhelmed. Now people will talk about a brain dump, but that is only half of it because if you just throw it all down on paper, then a lot of people can get overwhelmed. So for you, George, if you have like a ton of things going around in your head Really, just write it down, type it out, write it down, whatever. And then if you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't even believe how much that is. Now, what you need to do is the Eisenhower matrix. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah. Where we go, what is urgent and what is important? And so for me, I say, you know, you can, there's a grid. But when I'm just explaining this to people verbally, I say like, put a check mark next to anything that's important and circle anything that is urgent. And when something is has a check mark and a circle, that's maybe where you can start. The other thing is for your to-do list, like I am a huge fan 
of to-do lists, but I in the past have really hurt myself where I've added way too many things to my to-do list. And I've put down like, put the laundry in, switch the laundry over. Like we don't need every single thing on there. Like I would put down, I, I mean, I love to, in my planner, put a, a little square to check off. Like, I'm not going to lie. I like to, yeah, like I, I love it. But now what I do, only the very important things get written on the day to day. I have like a weekly, this is a nice to do. And then things that are really important get assigned to a day. And then just a couple things each day, because we don't want to set ourselves up to fail. We want to set ourselves up to succeed. And so if I can, you know, like today I had film a video, Georgia's podcast on there. Boom. That was it. Those are the two important things. And tomorrow I have like one call that's written down. Everything else will fall into place because I know what needs to get done for the week. And, and on those days where I'm being creative, that's perfect. I don't have to put anything on that list because creativity is absolutely at the forefront there. Yeah. Well, you're protecting progress over perfection, right? And what I love about this, like you're, you're probably going to smile. So mm -hmm. I know the Eisenhower matrix, should I use it? But this morning, this happened, right? So for everybody listening, it's it's Wednesday. Uh, my wife was out of town. And of course, while my wife's out of town, I have a private client in town. And then my son decides to get sick and be unschoolable while I'm trying to get coverage and I don't get to sleep for three nights because he's awake with whooping cough and you know everything else. And I'm like, and so the anxiety starts rolling in because I had this perfect calendar for the week of like, boom, 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 boom. So Robin, this morning, I literally sat down at my desk and I wrote out a list of like all the things that were taking my mental bandwidth. And then I had one rule and I went and crossed off everything that I can't control. Like, oh, that's not me. Oh, that's not mine. That's not boom. And then my list of 30 was down to a list of five. And the list of five were all things I could take action on. And then the first 30 minutes of my day, I actually finished all of them and then went into momentum. And so that was like my hacked version of the Eisenhower matrix of like doing that this morning. And what I love what you said is like, I had George's podcast and record a video in practicing winning and protecting the momentum and the progress over the perfection. I've yet to do that and then not done another video or done another thing, but rather than seeing it as I have all this to do and I'm never going to get this done. I did the two and I did more and more and everything felt like a win, which carried my confidence and it carried my momentum and it edified my decisions. And then it made me want to keep going. So for everybody listening, she, she mentioned something that I think is so, so powerful. Uh, I call it moving the starting line, right? This, it has to be perfect before I start, right? Just moving the starting line and you can't win a race that you never start. So I do have an incredible book recommendation for everybody on this one. I know I've recommended it to Robin, but there's an incredible author called Jamie Smart. And he wrote a book called The Little Book of Clarity. And it's a three hour read or listen around toxic thinking, which is I'll start this when, I'll do this when. And so I love the concept of like chunking this down and, and putting things in that you can control. And the, even what you alluded to with like, everything in the, and sorry, I'm summarizing, but this is how my brain works uh, in the list of like, put in the laundry, rotate the laundry, take out the laundry, fold the laundry. You end up looking at this list that is almost insurmountable at times. And this is where I learned to go to outcome-based thinking, right? And where I used to minimize every task down. Now I'll be like, do your laundry. And I know in my brain, that means wash it, rotate it, fold it, hang it up. 
but it also feels a lot more achievable for me rather than looking at a list of like 75 things. I'm looking at the outcomes that I'm trying to achieve. And so I absolutely, I, I love that. I, I love that. And so now we think about this and getting into this now, you, you alluded to this earlier, right? I know there's people listening to this right now and they're like, lady, how do you just think that you're going to know what to do and you're only putting three things in your calendar and like creativity, if I leave a day open on my calendar and I leave creativity, I'm going to end up on Netflix or ruminating or, or boom, boom, boom. So did you like change your measurement window to like, rather than a day, like knowing in a week, I'll get this done or knowing in a month, I'll get this done. Like what, what's the thought process like there? Because I think it's such a powerful concept, but you know, for, for people that are sitting here with like, well, I have this email to do and this customer servicing to do and this team to do and this meeting to do and this boom, as much as we would all love to delete our calendar and just clear out our inbox, you know, we have all of this residue in front of us. So like, how do you go about that now? Like balancing being an emergency room nurse and a mom with 80% of my family having ADD and having two YouTube channels and coaching business. Like, how do you design like your day or your weeks or, or how do you think about that that gives you that ability to succeed and to gain momentum? Like I would kind of love insight into how you do that. Well, there are days that have more things on the to-do list, but they're small things. And so one of the things I will do is I have an anti-procrastination day. And that is a day yes. where I just get all of the stupid, annoying shit done. And I, I hate, hate making phone calls. I hate it so much. I, uh, I just hate it. Um, there's a voicemail that's been on our phone for like two weeks and I see it flashing. I know, I know who it is and what it is, but I just like, I haven't cleared it. Right. So I'm not perfect. And it's funny because like, I'm 43, I was just diagnosed with ADHD and it took four decades for me to learn how to like, sort of be organized because I've been apparently dealing with ADHD all of this time. And so those top three things are priorities. You can still add stuff to your list, but those are the things that you need to get done. Everything else can fall by the wayside. Like under that list, um, I may have, um, you know, email this, email that, but it, it will get moved to the next day if it's not a priority. If, if emailing somebody is like a number one priority, then it's one of those top things. And like you said, you can add more things to that list. Like for me, I am, I can be very forgetful. So it does need to get written down. If it doesn't get written down, it doesn't exist. But like I said, I have like a, at the top of my planner, there's a section for the week. And that is where the other priorities get written. So as you know, after this call, say, I'm like, ah, you know, I still feel like working. Then I will go to that list and be like, okay, what else can I do? I have an hour. Okay. Like I will do this. So there, it still needs to be written down. And a lot of, I, I don't know for neurotypical people, if digital calendars are super helpful, but I know that for ADHD people, a lot of the evidence is like, no, it needs to be on paper. And so for me, I'm 100% hybrid. Like I have, um, I use my phone to remind me of things that are coming. And of course it's linked to my Google calendar, but then, uh, you know, on like Friday or Sunday night, I get out my phone and I put in my, my, schedule for the week. What is happening on Monday? Like which clients am I working with? Cause Mondays and Tuesdays are those days. 
Wednesday, I'll just put like filming. Um, and, and so it's sort of like a hybrid system, but I don't rely on the digital because I think for those of us with ADHD, basically it seems like everything is sort of mythical unless it's like written down in front of us. So when I say we prioritize those three things, those are at the very top and those are the things we need to get done. The other stuff, you can write it down, but put it at the bottom and don't feel bad if you don't get it done because wins are everything in life. Like, yep. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. Like you say this and I'm like, oh my God, you're talking to me. So like my Google calendar, mm -hmm. if you look at it, it has like the big level outcome, like just that focus for the day because I don't want to be in it. But when I get to the office in the morning, I open that calendar and I take my notebook in front of me and then I write down on the piece of paper in front of me what I'm going to do in that time, what that call is going to be about, what's there. Because if I fill my digital calendar with too much stuff, I get anxiety and I won't open it. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me averse to even like looking at it. So I'm a total hybrid to where like I use it as kind of like a reminder of like what I have to get done that day or that week. And then the moment I get into like my mode or my zone, I transcribe it from digital to that piece of paper in front of me because I also know that I'll look at the calendar and then I'll see something next week and a month from now and it might like get into my brain or I might click over on another tab or get into an inbox. And so I use both as well to kind of chunk that down. That's so... I might have ADHD, but we're we're good. I'm at the I've thrived to this point without being diagnosed. So we're just gonna keep going with how I go. Just right? take sharpshooter um, and you'll be good. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm a big proponent of sharpshooter. Yeah. And actually I, I have a question for you about habits, right? Yeah. Because yeah. um I joke with people like I'm not successful because I'm smart, I'm successful because I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. And everybody laughs when I say it, but I realize that. I'm really intentional about building habits or routines in that eliminate my ability to outthink it mm -hmm. and to do it. And like you alluded to some, so you mentioned red light. So for everybody listening, I'm a massive proponent for red light therapy. I've been using it for years. It helps reset me get me energy. And I'm just going to give a shout out to the red light company I paid for. So cozyhealth.com, K-O-Z-E, health.com, incredible red lights. I use them. I buy them. They're incredible. I think everybody should have them. Um, but I know, Robin, for you and helping entrepreneurs with and without ADHD, creativity is a big part of it, right? And, and creating the time and space to be creative, like to let yourself dream, to let yourself think, to use divergent thinking. But then I feel like a lot of the success that you let people or help people achieve comes from the habits mm -hmm. that they create, right? Mm -hmm. So like, what are some habits or, or routines or things that people can think about or, or things that they can start putting into practice in their life that would allow them to really start to thrive with all this energy and this neurodivergence. I'm learning words, by the way, I'm, 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 I'm edifying them. I'm repeating them <laughs> to harness this. Like what are, what are some habits? Like I've heard you allude to like red light therapy and breath work and not checking your phone first thing in the morning, right? Like what are some of those important habits and behaviors that people can bring focus to that they can start to practice every day that would help them achieve these results or, or kind of get into momentum? Yeah. So, one of the biggest things to remember is if the more you can take the think out of things, the better. So setting, when I say, you know, certain days I'm creative, certain days I'm coaching, every single one of those days, the beginning of the day is the same. It changes around 9 a.m. But I wake up, I, I get my tea because I have a very serious tea addiction, my first cup of tea, and I... <laughs> 
I do, I sort of like do some manifesting work. Like I do some writing. I just sort of think, I try to really sit in gratitude because I am so fortunate to live, you know, where I live. Like I look out the window and I can see, you know, like a thousand trees and, and even, you know, like I can, I'm, I'm warm, you know? So there's so much that I can do. So I start with gratitude. Then I move on to some form of meditation. Meditate. I try to meditate at least a couple of times a day because it's just so good. It feels like I'm just like giving my brain a massage. It's just like the nicest thing I can do. And then I go and wake up my kids. I snuggle my 13 year old because he still lets me. And you know, I enjoy every minute of that. Steal them. Steal them. Yep. And then, and then it's like getting the kids off to school. And so once they're at school, then it is time for a workout because if I don't work out, then my brain doesn't work. And so on my bathroom mirror, I have four things written down and it says, work out, you'll feel great. And it's been there. It's all crinkly because of the condensation and stuff. But I have to do these four things every day, work out, say affirmations, manifest and meditate. And so you don't have to have like a ton of things on your uh, habit list, but they need to be things that make you feel good. And they need to be things that take care of your soul. And there's so many times in life where people like they fight this stuff, but the more you can come home to your own brain, your own breath, everything, the better off you'll be no matter what you're doing, whether you're, you know, running a big business or, um, you know, you're just getting started. It's how you're taking care of yourself. And for ADHD, uh, for those of us who have it, two things that have shown huge um, progress that are not medication related are exercise and mindfulness. And so if you can somehow get habits and to make habits work, you just need to anchor them. Just need to, I say, it takes time. And so anchor them to something. Usually a meal is good if you're good at eating meals. Lunch is not a good meal to anchor things to because most people, if you're anything like me, lunch gets forgotten or it's eaten at like three o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah, creating habits is hugely important. Yeah. And and I love to, like, even in the in the in the undercurrent of what you're sharing, you're talking about your habits, but your habits are around your relationship with yourself, which goes back to close the loop earlier about like being aware of your owner's manual, right? Like, what am I doing to fill my bucket, to fill my energy, to to set myself up to win so that whatever I choose to apply that energy to, whether it's a YouTube video, whether it's a coaching call, whether it's a boom, it's from a place of fullness. And um, I love the anchoring thing. Like one of, one of my favorite books, I reread it once a year is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And uh, I fell into this trap so, so bad to where like I would devise a morning routine because I read the 5 a.m. club and my buddy Hal Elrod wrote The Miracle Morning and I'm feeling guilty as a friend because they all write these incredible books. And so I had this like morning to-do list that seemed almost insurmountable when I started the day because I was like, oh, I'm going to work out. I'm going to write. I'm going to journal. I'm going to gratitude. I'm going to boom. And then I read Atomic Habits and I learned about habit stacking and like anchoring in. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if when I eat my breakfast, if I could just share three things I'm grateful for. Or when I'm done with my breakfast, if I just always know to open my notebook and write for one minute. Or, you know, when I'm done with my breakfast, it means it's time for a 15 minute walk. And and I love this concept of breaking it down and chunking it down and habit stacking because it's so, so huge. And, and one of the things you said, I want to really bring light to. You know, when I hear the term meditation, 
you know, for years, I'm like, I don't meditate. I can't meditate. I'm not good at meditating because I thought meditating was sitting still on top of a fucking mountain for an hour and doing nothing. Right. I thought that it was like this hard thing, but then I realized quickly that it could be one minute. It could be three minutes. It could be one practice of mindfulness. And, and earlier when you alluded to it having to be perfect, we can't move the starting line, right? Like habits are great, but they have to be established in practice. And so if you're listening to this, you probably have a thought in your brain of that one thing you're not doing right now that would fill your bucket, that would make you feel better, that would unlock some creativity. And so the goal is not how can I plan it? When can I start it next Monday or on January 1st? But like, what's one small action that I can take today to anchor in that habit and start that routine? So I absolutely, I absolutely love that. I love that. Yeah. Any other thoughts on habits? Well, and the other thing is like, it. I don't think the everyday person enjoys hearing this, but you and I have both seen tragedy. And we have. I hate, uh, you know, and I don't even use that word lightly, but I hate when people are like, oh, wait till January, wait for this, wait for that. I'm like, for God's sakes, do it now. You know, we don't know yeah. how long we're here and enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, when people talk about manifesting, like, in, you know, live like I live every day. If I were to suddenly become, you know, like richer than Elon Musk, I would hope that I live my days pretty much the way I live them now, because I want to have an amazing relationship with myself. I want to have a lot of peace in my brain. I want to go out in nature. And so when when I say to people like, oh, I even have like the po the sticky note here about like the thing. The, the oh, there it is. Yep. <laughs> I have it everywhere. But I, I honestly, it's like, these are very important things. And the reason why I have that there is because it's so important. Like how, how much more fundamental can you get than exercising, meditating, you know, gratitude and affirmations. Like, other than loving my family, I think the biggest thing people need to do instead of like trying to like live this crazy rat race as entrepreneurs, the best thing we can do for ourselves is to delete as much as possible and slow everything the fuck down because yep. we keep adding stuff in. And, you know, when I talk about minimalism, I'm talking about like deleting as much as you can from your life, commitments, obligations. I made a video today just about like Christmas and the overwhelm of like all these, you know, Christmas parties and, and people and whatever. And it's like, no, like you got to do what makes you happy in your life. So that is my, that's my soapbox of like, for God's sakes, like live your life. Now. And, and, and I'll summarize it for everybody. You're going to fucking die. Yeah. And hopefully it's not soon. But you go interview any old person and the one thing they always say is, I wish I spent more time doing things I loved or had more fun or made more of those memories. And this is a trap in entrepreneurship. It's easy to get into the, I want to build a $10 million business. I want to build a $20 million business. Well, when you start to do the real work, you realize that in order to build it, you have to be it first, right? You can't backfill it. You can't, you can't adjust it. You have to live that way now. Have more fun, find more moments, create more space practice these basic things that give it because as much as you know, like this is the one you were issued. And for me, 40 years of it is gone. Right. And there's so much of it. And you and I both have seen tragedy galore. And those, those are moments to remind me to like find the fun and find the joy and, and keep it simple and keep it basic. And for all you entrepreneurs listening, you're like, Oh, I want to scale my business. One of the funny things I say is that scale comes from subtraction, not addition. 
right? It, it's about creating that space and creating that time. And 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 I'm like, I'm astonished, by the way, at like how many subtleties in this podcast. There's like a hundred lessons alone <laughs> in the basics and the simple and the reminders. But for everybody listening, I heard Les Brown say this, but you know, he he baits everybody. He says practice makes, and was like perfect. He's like, no, perfection doesn't exist. Practice makes progress. Mm-hmm. Practice makes progress, and and the more progress you can make, the more you can chunk things down. The more you can establish positive habits. The more that you can understand the owner's manual of your vehicle and what fills your bucket and what drains your bucket. And then you build containers and habits and rituals around bringing up more of that and reducing less of that. And you take these consistent actions over time, you won't recognize your life a year from now, but it requires that action. It requires taking those habits and taking those chances and and filling your bucket and having a, I love, by the way, an anti-procrastination day is wonderful because I think I probably have like 48 emails and 17 text messages that all will take me less than five minutes to do all of them, but they're in the bucket of things that I can't fucking stand to do. Mm-hmm. And so for everybody listening, this happens to all of us. So what I do is I have a pretty hectic flight schedule, right? So I've flown 87 times this year already, Jesus. And so all of those stay in one box. And then the moment I get on the airplane, because I'm trapped in a tuna can for three hours, I connect to the Wi-Fi and I'm like, you're going to earn the right to watch a movie today. You can watch Top Gun for the 37th time once you knock out boom, 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 boom. And I do my anti-procrastination when I'm sitting on the airplane since I'm trapped anyways. And so I, I was I was giggling when you said that. And I was like, oh, I get that. Yep, I, yep mm-hmm, that's my flavor too. And one thing, Robin, and, and I think this is where I want to land the plane. You, you, you've alluded to this a ton and you said it like three or four times about having grace for yourself and grace for yourself and grace for yourself. Can you kind of expand on that for a minute? Because... I want everybody to really, really hear this because uh, if you're mean to yourself, none of this works. If you're upset with yourself, if you're collecting evidence that like, oh, I did it wrong or I didn't do it right, nothing's going to be achieved in life. And, And I feel like you nailed this. You're like, even when you were saying this a minute ago, you said, if I made more money than Elon Musk, I'd like to think that I'm living my life the same now, which starts with having a good relationship with myself. That was the first thing you said. Not with my family, not with my business, but with myself. And this is a concept that took me a long time to grasp. And so can you can you give us your your motherly nurse loving wisdom on grace and how to instill grace and have gratitude and and really give ourselves a chance to win? Yeah. And I think, you know, you say that and I always think of the quote, is it no matter where you go, there you are, right? Like I'm always yes. with me. I'm always and so I really liked myself and it took me a really long time to get to that point. You know, I was bullied as a kid. I, people made fun of me. You're so short. You got curly hair, right? Like all these crazy things. And and eventually, you know, after spending a lot of time with myself as, you know, you know, a young adult and doing all of these things, I started recognizing that I'm actually okay. I'm actually like a pretty cool person. And so if I'm looking at my to-do list, and beating myself up because I didn't get some stuff done when I know very well that I've tried really hard in my life and I need to enjoy my life. And so I had like a, an epiphany yesterday where I, I thought, 
you know, like, you know, people talk about like uh, the universe or God. And I thought, okay, so for me, instead of stressing, what does everybody want? What do I want? I want to be at peace. God, the universe wants me to be at peace. None of us want me to be stressed. And I don't want to be beating myself <laughs> up. Yeah, no, the three of us, me, God, and the universe, right? We don't want for me to be stressed because I'm trying hard. I'm doing well. I am taking care of my family. I am taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my, my uh, viewers and my clients. And I'm doing well by everybody. So if I don't get something done on my to-do list, good. Because maybe then I took a moment to just sit and watch some cooking on YouTube, right? Or listen to a podcast. And and one of the things I did the other day, I went out in my garden and I planted like a whack of tulip bulbs, like 150 bulbs. And I didn't listen to anything. And I just had time with myself. And it was great because I, I need to be kinder, kinder and gentler to myself and come back to where I used to be instead, as much as I love listening to audiobooks and podcasts all the time. No, I need to spend more time just with me. And so we can't be beating ourselves up. No. And, and, and just so everybody knows, uh, it took me a long time too. I, I would say that the reason I'm successful now is because I love myself. Like no joke. If any of you and Robin seen this in person, and I show this all the time, the background of my phone, the lock screen is a picture of me at five years old. It's a picture of me at five years old because I know I pick up my phone 280 times a day, minimum. Last time I checked, it was something around those lines. And I have these thoughts like, oh, you could have done that better. You only did a hundred million in that company. You could have coached it differently. And then I pick up my phone and I see my five-year-old self missing all four front teeth where my favorite song was Alvin and the Chipmunks. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. And I find it impossible in that moment to be mean to myself. And I start to find my wins and I start to be like, oh my God, look at this kid. Like, look what you're doing with your life. Like you went from that to this and, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then it's so funny because then everything starts to work better. I start to build confidence and momentum. And so I can't stress enough the power of really investing in a relationship with yourself. And, and like Robin said, giving yourself grace. I know that as long as I move one step closer to being a better husband, a better father, a better business person, and a better human to myself every day, I want. There could be 99 things, 100 things, 1,000 things left. But as long as I took a step in that direction, I can put my head on the pillow and be like, I made progress today. Like, fuck yeah, celebrate every ounce of it every ounce of it and give yourself that grace. And it's a muscle. And the more you flex it, the stronger it gets. And the stronger it gets, the easier life gets. Because then you have the ability to withstand and navigate anything. And so Robin, before I ask the last question, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you answer this, but I want everybody to listen to me really, really quickly. I'm very deliberate on who I consume content from and when. And I will tell you, I am first in line when Robin drops a YouTube video. I watch them, I listen to them, and I'm like, I don't have ADHD, but this is sure landing for me, and I'm going to put this into practice today. And so I'm giving a very glowing recommendation for Robin's stuff. But uh, Robin has an incredible, two incredible YouTube channels, uh, incredible Instagram, incredible human. Where is the best place for everybody to come get more of your genius, Robin? Well, if you come and find me on Instagram then you will find the rest of whatever you need to find. So it's Hocus Focus Robin with a Y. Hocus Focus Robin. So Hocus, H-O-C-U-S, Focus, 
F-O-C-U-S, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. Hocus yes. Focus Robin. And I, I will say go. Go follow, go shoot her a DM. And, and I'm going to challenge you if you're listening to this. I would love it if you shot Robin a DM with one takeaway that you got from listening to her, from sharing, because we can all fill Robin's bucket as well and we'll give her some some gift and love back. And so to land the plane, you know the question because you listen to the podcast and you happen to be on it now. Here's the question. If we had to erase everybody's memory up until this point and you had the ability to tattoo any wisdom on their soul that they would take with them for the rest of their life, what would your tattoo wisdom be? Well, you know, I want to say something funny, but I'll just be honest and I'll say it It has to say you are enough because who knew (laughs) you are. You are enough. And that's where we'll land the plane for today. And Robin, uh, just because I'm still recording, just thank you. Thank you for being an incredible woman, an incredible mother, an incredible friend, an incredible entrepreneur an incredible gift to the planet. Uh, I, my life is drastically improved because you're in it and I appreciate that and all your short stature of curly hair and positive energy that comes boiling around. But I just want to personally in front of everybody say thank you. Thank you for caring about people. Thank you for using your story and your family's story and giving that gift away to everybody else and helping them navigate and do this. So I see you and I appreciate you immensely. So thank you so much for being here today. It means the world to me and I I, I appreciate it. Oh my goodness, George. Thank you so much for having me. And you are just a light in this world too. Ditto. (laughs) I clean the window of the lighthouse every day because sometimes it gets a little foggy, but I clean it, throw some batteries in it, and then uh, I shine that light out there. So for everybody listening, uh, I'm going to make a a big glowing recommendation that I highly recommend you get a hold of Robin, find her on Instagram, find both YouTube channels because uh, the minimalist channel was huge for me as well, mm-hmm. because I'm a big proponent of like environmental design and and I'm like, oh, I can do that and I can do that. And, and that helps. And all the Hocus Focus stuff is absolutely incredible. And so Hocus Focus Robin on Instagram, go there or don't ever listen to the show again. No, I'm just kidding. Do whatever you want. But I would, I would highly recommend that you go there. And uh, I, I am going to have a selfish ask of everybody to please take my advice and send her a message, give her a takeaway, edify what she shared, share your takeaways with her and be a witness and start putting this into work. Grab a habit, grab a witch rule, fill your bucket, celebrate your wins, add your affirmations, habit stack, love yourself, have grace, pick any one of these incredible, incredible principles and lessons and apply them into your life. And so Robin, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. For everybody listening, This officially wraps another episode of the Mind of George show. And so I'm not going to bump my gums any longer because there's an outro coming. So remember that relationships will always be the algorithms. And as Robin echoed, especially the one with yourself, because no matter which way you slice it, it's the one you're guaranteed to spend the rest of your life with, whether you like it or not. So you'll either see me in another episode or hear me in your earballs. But either way, we are out. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and, quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. 
I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.